G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT, our regular update for a Thursday. Greg Bondar, welcome back to 2020. Oh, delighted to be here, Neil, and good morning. Uh, Greg, let's start with what I think is, in fact, a good news story. And not everybody agrees in this sense, but the Heartbeat Act in the United States, where the state of Texas has delivered an historic win for the pre-born last week and becomes the first U.S. state to implement a ban on aborting babies with detectable heartbeats. What's your perception of what's happening there? Yeah, this is such good news, you know, Neil. Um, currently, I'm working on uh, on uh, making representation to the New South Wales Parliament on, on the voluntary assisted dying euthanasia bill that's coming forward next week, uh, which we're disappointed in. But uh, when I was working on it, I came across this... Uh, <clears throat> news story from the USA, and really it's called the Heartbeat Act. Now, this is such a wonderful story that for the first time, a court, the Supreme Court there, has decided, and, 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 and five, five votes to four, to make sure that an act is in, in, implemented which will, prevent, which will prevent abortions taking place. Now, what it's doing is, it is putting the pressure back on the abortion industry and it's saying to them that anybody now can sue a, a particular clinic, a, a clinical um, institution or whatever it may be, if the, if, if the heartbeat is evident and there is no attempt made to continue to save that pre-born child. So what's happened here is, Neil, that this has come out of a wonderful uh, effort by many to make sure that, uh, you know, the abortion industry is put back where it's supposed to be in, in the sense that they cannot go willingly uh, aborting babies. Neil, the big issue, the big issue, and this is what caught my eye, was that President Biden went out publicly and said, life doesn't begin at conception. Well, for goodness sake, Neil, when does it begin then? <laughs> so... Well, the idea that having a heartbeat, uh, if it's got no heartbeat, maybe it's a thing. If it's got a heartbeat, it's a person. And uh, that's actually a huge breakthrough on its own. And, of course, uh, like you, Greg, I believe that life starts at conception. That's the Absolutely. Christian way. That's the biblical Christian way of, uh, of assessing who's alive and who's not. Uh, that uh, life starts at conception. But they've had all this go through the Supreme Court in the United mm. States. And, uh, of course, there's some uh, foundation there from the former president uh, who uh, was able to appoint people into the Supreme Court that mm. might have a pro-life perspective. Uh, there's something here that's growing out of that now. Absolutely. And, and, and um, it, 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 comes to, it comes to mind straight away that, you know, when Trump put these pe some of these people in, it, it, it was really for the sake of saving lives. Now, I've just read recently, just a few hours ago, Neil, that President Biden is being advised 
by various lobby groups to try and overrun this particular legislation in Texas. Now, it's not so much about the legislation in Texas, Neil. The issue here is that people are starting to wake up, wake up to the fact that life is worth preserving and it's not our duty, not our duty as, 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 you know, as clinicians or doctors to kill an unborn child. So if the, if the tide is changing, Neil, then this is really good news because for the, for the first time, the abortionists have been put on notice. You cannot go around killing the unborn people, you know, organisations like Planned Parenthood, for example. This needs to stop, and this is great news, Neil, and if it, if it can filter throughout the world in terms of having a, a, a mindset to say, look, if life is worth preserving, then we're doing really well, Neil, I think, to, um, to ensure that this legislation is, uh, is indicative of things to come. Uh, Greg, a little disturbing to hear of that news where there was one abortion clinic in Texas that rushed to kill 67 mm. babies in the 17 hours before the new bill's de- deadline. Uh, you know, people yeah. doing some very uh, you know desperate things there. Yeah, I mean, it's an organisation called the Whole Woman's Health uh, in Fort Worth, and to, and and what they did was tried to before the eleventh hour the bill going through they wanted to try and make sure and they did kill sixty seven babies in the seventeen hours before the new bill's deadline. So how how disappointing, how tragic it is that here we have organisations that want to rush through something and to actually kill an unborn child. And Neil, as far as I'm concerned, and well, to my death. Life begins at conception, and we need to uphold that biblical faith now. And, uh, you know, uh, this is obviously, as we're saying, something that's grown out of the Supreme Court and those appointments of judges on the Supreme Court in the US. Mm. Uh, No doubt uh, some listeners will be aware that there's been threats uh, over the previous months uh, that if this sort of thing happens that they'll make more appointments on the Supreme Court in order to overbalance uh, onto the to the side of uh, of uh, more the more leftist uh, Democrat side uh, that's something that no doubt would be ahead Greg oh absolutely look the Democrats are putting plans in place now up from my sources over there they tell me that the you know under Biden under President Biden, there are steps now being taken to make sure that the <clears throat> left-leaning, I call them the loony left or whatever, that there are more left-leaning appointments made to administrations, to regulators, to, to, to judges, the judicial system. Now, this is very sad. And unfortunately, this is what can happen in the short term of government when you've got such um, left-leaning presidents trying to make sure that anything to do with life is, is, is you know, really, really... Um, uh, hindered because you know life is about life Neil it's not about killing and we've got to make sure that you know in here in Australia we make sure that we have people that are pro-life not pro-death and I'm just amazed why do people want to kill people and here we are Neil you know seeing this legislation come through and I see it as a ray of hope and we might say, why do some see it as being unimportant? Uh, one of the most important things you can talk about are pro-life issues, and we talk about those a lot on this program. Hey, Greg, you've been reviewing and checking out a new book called A Glorious Ride from Jumble Plains to Eternity. Uh, give us your insights around this new book. 
Oh, Neil, I am so encouraged by this. Now, there's a chap called Tony McClellan. Now, he's a wonderful man, and, uh, and, and, and I've known Tony now for a number of years. And Tony was actually, is currently actually the chairman emeritus of the Australian Christian Lobby. So he's, he's, he's you know, well-known within the uh, Christian organisation circles. Now, Tony has decided to write a book. Now, this particular book is about practical faith. Now, this man reached the heights of corporate, um, you know, of the corporate world. And there he was. Now, he went through some struggles. He started his life as a <laughs> back in Dubbo in the sheep station. And Tony has written this book, and it brings tears to my eyes when I read this, because, Neil, one of the problems we have is that we've got all these corporate Christians, sporting Christians. We've got, you know, Christians in all sorts of walks of life that fail to sometimes express and share their faith in the public arena. Yet Tony, in conjunction with a very nice chap called Nick Cater, who's the executive director of the Men's Institute, who's the co-author, really, have written this book, Neil, and it's really about people sharing their faith in the public arena, but not only that, it's an inspiring story, Neil. <clears throat> and a foreword by former Prime Minister John Howard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Howard has given the foreword on this book, and uh, people have seen chapters, as I have, of the book, and I've, and I've read these in detail. But even Senator Erica Betts has said this is a wonderful thing, and, and, and a very, very uh, Christian man, that I have a high regard for. John Anderson, former Prime Minister, has written a wonderful um, uh, summary of the book saying this is one book that you must read. It's all about about the way that we as Christians can share our faith in the public arena now. Uh, Your thoughts quickly, Greg, on uh, what are the key things that come out in this book? Well, there are three key issues, and, I, and I'm hoping everyone have, will get a chance to buy it. They'll, it will be available, of course, at Amazon, Booktopia, Kurong, or whatever, and it comes out on the 15th of September. Now, three issues come out, which really is a, is a takeaway. First is we must accept God's discipline. And, you know, this is a wonderful message to come out of, in, to the Hebrews. Secondly, set your goal. And listen to this particular passage from Hebrews 12.2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's the second message that comes out of the book. And finally, one that Tony has been very, very um, uh, carefully making this point to say, we must persevere, knowing that when we have done the will of God, we will receive what he has promised, Hebrews 10, 36. So really, in my mind, Matthew twenty five twenty three comes to mind, Neil, and I hate preaching, but well done, good and faithful servant, as far as I'm concerned with Tony McClellan. Fabulous stuff, and uh, you say it's being released about a week away, 15th of September. It's called A Glorious Ride from Jumble Plains to Eternity, and listeners might like to keep their eye out for that one. Uh, hey, uh, the Australian churches unite in a call for Australia to take in Afghan refugees. Uh, what are your thoughts around what's happening so far as uh, the fall of Afghanistan, the huge number of refugees? Uh, your thoughts here, Greg? Yeah, Neil, very, very quickly. Look, I have to mention that you may or may not be aware, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it, but I am actually a refugee, Neil. Uh, we can, my mum and dad, uh, we left uh, Hungary in 1957. Now, I was only a babe in arms, you know, and um, 
and and um, I remember mum carrying me across the border, she tells me, that she was carrying me across the border in the, in the dead of night. We were trying to escape the, the communist regime coming into Hungary and, 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 and we got away. We got to Austria. Now, so I am very much committed to the refri- refugee issue. But the key point coming out of this is the Australian churches have united. Now, Neil, churches tend to generally have their own theology, their own doctrine sometimes, but here they are. Here they are. Sydney Anglicans, Uniting Church, Baptists, Catholics, Pentecostals, and Christian organisations coming together to support the Afghan refugees. In other words, they've come together under the commitment to compassion. I think that's a wonderful news story now. Uh, You've got some reflection too on how you think the mainstream media is responding to this, you know, significant fact, as you say, uh, all of those denominational leaders uniting together. But but what's being reported in mainstream media? Any thoughts here? Yeah, now the problem here is that you know, here we are, the churches are doing something really, really compassionate. But where is the mainstream media? They refuse to report on this. And I, and I read an article recently on why does the media persecute the church by not reporting the good things that we're doing? Now, we've got wonderful news story here. And, and in point of fact, you know, this is one of the real opportunities to highlight the fact that the Christian voice has come together united. On a compassionate issue, the Archbishop of Sydney says wonderfully this: that I am calling on the Australian government to be as compassionate as we can be in responding to the unfolding crisis in Afghanistan. Jesus said, "Love your neighbour as yourself." And after 20 years in Afghanistan, we should have no hesitation in saying they are our neighbours. And also, look, really, let's report this. Make, but, but, you know, we've got to step up and make sure that we, we get the mainstream media to recognise the work that we as Christians are doing through our churches. Well, also recognising just how brutal the regime of the Taliban mm. will be in Afghanistan. From what I understand, uh, the UNHCR estimates more than half a million Afghans have already fled their homes. And no doubt it'll take yeah. a, a joint effort from nations all around the world. Uh, but... Uh, even our uh, our church leaders, uh, uh, the Sydney Anglican Archbishop, uh, making a call on the government to to make sure we're pulling our weight here. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and those refugees. Now, this is interesting, Neil. Eighty percent of them are women and children. Now, we're just having a conference. I you know for the last two days on on on, on women um, that that was that's being run. Where is the mention of these eighty percent of women and children that are refugees coming out of Afghanistan, you know, we need to speak up that the work that the church is doing is really compassionate. It, it, it is there, and and it's unfortunate the mainstream media will only want to report the bad news, the bad news. And here we are doing something good, making sure that women and children are looked after, and and, and we're going to be compassionate. And at the same time, they've got to make sure that. And I hate to use this word. But these are genuine refugees, not the ones that want to come here for economic reasons now. And no doubt there's checks and balances and all of that. But at the same time, that level of compassion and generosity perhaps does need to be seen at uh, the highest levels of our decision makers. And uh, Greg, just to, just to come yep. back to your own experience here, as you say, you were 
a refugee, just a babe in arms, your parents uh, fleeing the Hungarian Revolution back in the 1950s. And so uh, no doubt in your own home, uh, just your parents and their adjustment and the sorts of things you would have been exposed to uh, through your childhood and teenage years and into young adulthood. Uh, I wonder if you've got a reflection here on, on how Australia has treated you uh, over those years, because uh, you've come through that and you've got that heritage. Yep. Neil, I certainly have. I remember coming out here and I, and I loved coming to Australia. You know, But I've got to tell you, Neil, when I went to primary school here in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, you know, Neil, I was called a Dago, I was called a Wog, I was called all sorts of names. Mum used to make me salami sandwiches. And I said, Mum, don't make those anymore. I get into trouble at school. And Neil, I got into more fights than you can poke a stick at. But do you know what? I grew through that, and I, lo- and I learned to love the people that I was with. And, you know, one quick story, Neil, when we were coming from Hungary, we, we, we were on the first ship, and I was, I guess, the first boat people coming to Australia, in a sense, and uh, the ship was... You know, great uh, just getting your insights there and uh, just a wonderful story that you have, uh, Greg. Hey, before I let you go, uh, I always ask you about what sort of uh, campaigns and events you've got coming up with Family Voice Australia. Uh, What's on the horizon here? Uh, Look, we've got a big day on Monday. We've got the Future of the Church Virtual Conference Forum happening. Uh, There's still time to register. Just get onto the Family Voice website. We've got five wonderful speakers uh, talking about what is the future of the church under COVID and and post-COVID. Neil, I think we're going to look, be looking at the thing called, you know, the hybrid church. It's going to be happening. So have a look at it. Come on board. It, uh, you know, it's on Monday. Still time to register. It's a half-a-day conference, and everyone's welcome to join us now. And I think things are hotting up on that whole debate of what's going on. It's going to be a significant event. Let me point listeners to familyvoice.org.au. That's the website, and you'll be able to lock in with that virtual conference, familyvoice.org.au. Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Yeah, God bless, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.